Okay, we are learning Daf Vav. We're starting from the bottom. Mishnah, Pei Heim and Beis. There's a Mishnah right at the bottom. Actually, it kind of might seem like a review of some of the concepts we learned in the seventh parak, but always with a new twist here. So, Pas Yisrael, Mo'oreses coin. We have a daughter of Yisrael who is Mo'oreses. She's betrothed to the coin. She hasn't yet married the coin. She hasn't yet moved in with him. So, that's still, she still can't eat Shema, right? Remember, the law is... They said she has to move in with the Kohen before she's allowed to eat. Or let's say her marriage ends with the Kohen. So if she would have a child, she could eat Shema. There's certain remains of the marriages. But let's say she's only pregnant from the Kohen, but there's no child. Or she's in a Zika bond. She's got the Yibam bind to the Kohen, but she hasn't yet done Yibam. And all these, again, when she's not going to be able to eat Shema yet. Or another case of a person who wouldn't eat Shema, let's say you have a daughter of a Kohen. A daughter of a Kohen can eat Shema by her father if she's living at her father's home. But here, what happened was, is that she got betrothed to Yisrael, or she's pregnant from Yisrael after that marriage, or she's waiting even to Yisrael. So in all these cases, she cannot eat Shema. Though that, though that opening paragraph there we just read is really a review of the seventh paragraph. Now, we see the same thing with Meiser Rishon. So remember, Meiser Rishon is the tent that you get from the grain and you give it to the Levi. So the Mishnah seems to say the exact same thing. If a regular Jewish girl is betrothed to a Levi, so when she's married with the Levi, she'll eat Meiser. But here she's only betrothed. When buries me a Levi, she's, only pre- she's pregnant from a Levi after the marriage. She marries the Levi or she's waiting even to a Levi. Or a daughter of a Levi who would eat by her father. But now she's betrothed to Israel. In all these cases, she may not eat the Meiser Rishon. Says the Gemara, it says the Mishnah, third point, Bas Levi arrests the coin. What happens if a daughter of a Levi is betrothed to a coin? So it doesn't really help because she's closer, she's in the family of Levi, but you can only eat Shema if you're a coin. So here she's a daughter of a Levi betrothed to a coin, who's a coin pregnant from a coin, she marries Yavim a coin, or waiting Yavim to a coin. Or the daughter of a coin who's betrothed to a Levi. She hears she is trapped. She cannot eat Shema, and she also cannot eat Miser because she's trapped in both ways. She's trapped in the sense that she can't be by her. By her, by her father, and she's not fully moved in with her husband, so therefore she doesn't enjoy the, read, the rights to eat either one. So we're going to focus on the second part of the Mishnah. The second part of the Mishnah was talking about the daughter of Yisrael who is betrothed to a Levi. So we were saying that the right to eat Miser only comes when you actually fully moved in. And it seems that, that, that the point that we can take away from the Mishnah is that somebody who is not a Levi is not allowed to eat Miser. Because if somebody would be a non-Levi, it would be allowed to share in the Miser. If a Levi could invite a friend over to share the Miser, then the whole mission doesn't seem to make sense. Oh, she could eat the Miser, she can't eat the Miser. There's never a restriction on somebody who's a non-Levi to eat the Miser. So it would seem like from our Mishnah that no, a non-Levi cannot eat Miser. But the Gemara challenges that fact. The Gemara says, hey, Zara, let her be a stranger to the Levian. Let that be true. Zarmi of a Miser. Can a stranger not eat Miser? Anyone can eat Miser. Truma is very different. Truma is holy. Truma, the law of Truma is that it's only for Kohanim. Non-Kohanim can't eat. Oh, there's a new halacha, the wife of a Kohen or someone with a child from a Kohen can eat. So that's what the Mishnah is saying. You have to be living with the Kohen. You have to have a child already born. The betrothal and the, and the pregnancy don't cut it. But here, when you're talking about Miser, Miser Rishon is very different. Miser Rishon doesn't have that holiness. Miser Rishon is a gift you give to the Levi. But what does the Levi do with it? He could feed a non-Levi. So what's the objection here for this girl eating? We're going actually like only one Tana. You're right. Most Tana hold that, 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 that Miser can be shared with non, non-Levium. We're going like the one Tana, Rabbi Meir, he actually holds Miser Rishon is forbidden to a stranger, meaning a regular Israel. The Tanya, as it says in a price, uh, and again, I can't emphasize this, even though we're going to learn this, this is only only one opinion of Rameir. It says in a price of Truma, Lakoin, Maiserishon, the Levi. Truma is given to a coin. Maiserishon is only given to the Levi. Give Rameir, according to Rameir. 
So Rav Meir doesn't say explicitly the miser cannot be eaten by Yisrael, but his point is it's obvious that Trimah is given to a Kohen. So why is saying Trimah is to a Kohen and Maizir Rishon is to a Levi? He means to compare them to each other and say what he's trying to say in his words are just as Trimah is given to a Kohen and therefore it's restricted to non-Kohenim, so too Maizir Rishon is given to a Levi and therefore restricted to non-Leviim. So this implies that Maizir can't be eaten by Yisrael, so the Mishnah is following this one opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Lazar holds Maizir can be given to a Kohen. So the Pashup shot is, is that he means that it can be eaten by a Kohen. So the Gemara says, Matiro, he's Matiro, the Maizir, by a Kohen, Cloudy Commander, Osir, would anyone Osir Maizir to a Kohen? Meaning everybody agrees that a, that a Kohen can eat Maizir, even if you would tell me that a stranger cannot eat Maizir and a regular Jewish person who's not a Levi or uh, not a Levi at all cannot eat Maizir, even if you tell me that, but a Kohen is part of the Shade of Levi. There's no way to say that it's only for Levium with the exclusion of Kohen. That doesn't make sense. Even if we go like this opinion of Ramir, even if you accept that, that it's for Levium and not for strangers, but we wouldn't never exclude Kohen. So what are we saying? He's moderate to the Kohen. Was anyone ever um, prohibiting it to the Kohen? So the Gemara says, Elaima knows no Afla Kohen. He means to say that you can give the Miser even to a Kohen. So we're talking about who you give it to, not who could eat it. According to Rabbi Lazar and He's saying a chiddush ma'aser rishon doesn't have to be given to levi. You can choose to give it to the kohen instead, and the gemara will explain why why it is that way. So, bottom line is, who could eat ma'aser? Everyone agrees both kohen and levi could eat. The question is who you should give it to. Rabbi Meir says ma'aser must be given to the levi. Rabbi Lazar says it can be given to the kohen as well. And then there's another point that the gemara is saying here that Rabbi Meir holds it's forbidden to be eaten by people not in the shevet of levi. So the Gemara wants to know what is the source for this? My time is Rabbi Meir, because the Pasuk never speaks about this. The Pasuk doesn't re- refer to Maizir Rishon like his Trimah as a holy item that's only for the Levim. So where does Rabbi Meir get that Maizir can only be eaten, that, that cannot be eaten by Yisraeli? The Pasuk says, This is talking about, the law is that when you give Maizir to a Levi, the Levi now has to take a tenth of his tenth, a tenth of his Maizir and give it to the Kohen. That's called Trumas Maizir. And that is a form of the truma. So the Pasuk saying the Masar B'nei, so the Maizer of the Jewish people that they designate for Hashem as truma. So the Torah is funny. It's like calling it Maizer and truma almost like interchangeably. So we say, it's telling to tell us a hackish. coming to tell us just as truma is forbidden to a non-Kohen, so too a Maizer is forbidden to a non-Levi. Okay, so says the Gemara, if that's what the analogy is teaching, so let's push it. Let's push the comparison further. What happens if a non-Kohen eats Truma? There's a death penalty by the hands of heaven, right? A person dies young if he's a non-Kohen eating Truma. And if he eats Peshogek, he has to pay back the extra payments. Play has to add an extra fifth to the value when he pays it back to the Kohen. So maybe the same way there are these fines and penalties and punishments. Reading truma of maybe Maiser as well should have that. Meaning, we don't find that anywhere. We don't find Rameyer saying that, even though he's saying it's forbidden. We don't find these extra punishments. Why not? Why don't I push that comparison? The answer is it says by truma, Mesubo ki chalu. When it's talking about truma, it says if you eat truma, they will die with it. Mesubo. Or when it's talking about adding the fifth, they'll add the fifth to it. So we expound both love and miser only because of it and not because of miser. Or love, love, miser. They'll add the fifth to it, but not for the miser. So basically, the Torah specifically went out of its way to say that it does not apply to miser. All right. Now, now we get to some really fascinating stuff because Rameir was the again minority view that that, that, that that's the lone opinion that miser is also the zarm. The rabbanon hold miser as much as to anybody. So how did the rabbanon deal with the zeros of comparing truma to miser? That's what we're trying to figure out. What do they do with the pasuk? The rabbanon. So they learned the following halacha. Just as Truma has a law of Tevel, so too Maizir Rishon has the law of Tevel. So what does that mean? 
So the law is, before you eat truma, there's a status on it, before you separate truma, rather, you're Yisrael, you bring in all your grain. Before you take off the truma and designate it for the Kohen, you may not eat any of the grain for yourself, even though only a portion of it goes to the Kohen. The rest of it is for you. But until you designate the part for the Kohen, you're not allowed to eat any of it yourself. That term is called tevel. Tevel is when the truma has yet to be taken. So just as truma, there's a law of tevel. Let's say I took off truma already, but I'm yet to separate my surishon. The novelty of the Pasuk is that even if I take off Shema, if I didn't yet take off my region, it says the status, status of Tevel, and it's forbidden for me to eat. And, and, and the Gemara continues that this is a Chiddush. like it says in a price, I would say Tevel is only from something where none of the gifts had been separated. Let's say Truma Gadola, that I give to the Kohen was already designated, but I just hadn't yet designated Maiser Rishon or Maiser Rishon, Let's say I took off the Maiser Rishon, but that sec, the, the second tithe, remember the second tithe that I take off to Yerushalayim in the first, second, fourth, and fifth years, if I didn't yet take that off, or even if it's only Maiser Ani in the third and sixth years that I give off for the designate for the Ani, Minayin, how do I know that even if there's still one gift that I didn't de- de- designate, that it's called Tevel, Tamulomar, you cannot eat the miser of your grains in your gates. So what does it mean, don't eat it in your gates? The simple shot is, don't eat the miser Shani outside Yerushalayim. But we expound, while he's talking about miser Ani, it says you give it to the poor, they'll eat it within your gates and they'll be satisfied. So the, the common language of your gates connects the context of miser Ani with here the Torah saying, don't eat in your gates. Just as way there in the second passage. Your gates is a reference to Maisarani. So to your gates here in the first pasuk is related to Maisarani. What the Torah is saying is, don't eat grain when there's still Maisarani to be separated. Before you've separated them, even the Maisarani, even the Bisharacha, even the gates thing, still you cannot eat it. So the Xavier Shava is telling us you cannot eat Tavel from which my, even everything has been separated, but just Maisarani. So let's go through what just happened here because there's actually some fascinating rate. It sounds like there's a hackish between Truma and Maiser, which is saying that don't tell me that Tevel is only if Truma was not separated. No, the Chiddush is that Tevel is even if Maiser region was not separated. That's what the purpose of the hackish is. And then we say another novelty, even if I did take off Maiser region, even if the only thing to remain to take off is Maiser Ani, still there's a lav of Lo Sucha So why was it simpler that there was Tevel on Truma more so than Maiser? Like what's this whole thought process? I would say there's only Tevel on Truma. Maybe there's no Tavel when I took off Truma, but I didn't yet take off Meiser. And even if I know that, how do I know that there's Tavel if I've taken off everything but the Meiser on it? So Rashi explains a huge lump this year. Maybe it's even Kedai to see it inside in the Rashi. Ma'atruma Tovelas. Kozman Shaluhufershah, Rashi says, before your Mafish Truma, Chayav Misa Achilasosha Tavel. There's a punishment for eating Tavel. What's the punishment? The same Misa, Misa Bidei Shemaim, the death by the hands of heaven. Says Rashi, why does that make sense by Truma? Daha Misa Ksivbei. The punishment for eating truma, when you're not allowed to eat truma, if you're not a Kohen and you eat truma, what do you get? So it makes sense that if you have the pile of the grain before you took off the truma, then you should have the same liability for eating truma wrongly because that's the punishment. So that's why it makes sense. But my Zerisha, where there's no Isser for eating it, Right? There's no Yisr for eating Maiser Rishon wrong. There's a mitzvah to give it to the Levi. But if I eat from the grain before I took off Maiser Rishon, how could there be a Din Tevel? Where is the Isr coming from? And what we see in Rashi, a very fascinating concept, is that the nature of Tevel is that the gifts are already inside. The gifts of Truma Maiser are naturally inside of the grain. It's not that you create them when you separate them. You're just designating where they are. 
but they're there in the, in the grain itself. So the punishment, if you can't eat truma correctly, if you can't eat miser, so then it makes sense that there's a devil. But miser rishon, where there's generally no punishment for eating it wrongly, so, so then how do you, in the world can there be an iser of devil? That's why I needed the xeris hakos. And even if I know that, I could say at least miser rishon, there's certain, certain degrees of holiness to it. You know, like what, you're not supposed to disrespect, but miser ani is really just a monetary thing to give tzedakah. So I would say it's impossible that there should be a din of devil if you haven't taken off miser ani, and that's why I have the extra possible. Now, Taisvis is dumbfounded by Rashi's concept. Why? Because a truma can be eaten by a Kohen. So if Rashi's right that the Isser of Tevel is because of the fact that the truma is inside so you can't wrongly eat the truma, then if a Kohen would eat Tevel, it should be fine. And that's not true. If a Kohen eats Tevel, he's also Chayim. So what do you see? You see that the nature of the Isser of Tevel isn't because you're eating the truma. What is he talking about? That's a famous machlokas here, Rashi and Taisvis. Is Tevel Usser because the truma is mixed in or is it a separate Isser? Very, very famous idea. Okay, let's continue here. So now that we said that the Rabbanon used Truma and Maishu Risho and the Hekish to say that there's Teva. But on the other hand, we also had Losucha Lachol B'Sharacha saying even Maishu Rani. So the Gemara says, we also have Minolav. Just from Losucha B'Sharacha, I would say that's only a negative. Lav, al Misa Lo. There's not necessarily a punishment of death in the hands of heaven. Kamash Malon. The Hekish region, Truma and Maishu Risho tells us that the death penalty does apply if you eat the Teva without Maishu Risho taken off. All right, great. So now the Gemara says, a different version of the Shachvatai. Maizu Rishon, Maizu Rishon, the Tavl and Rabbi Yossi Nafka, you're telling me in Rabban, you need the Hekshu Tain Truman Maizu to establish that there's Tavl. If I didn't take off Maizu Rishon, I know that anyway from Rabbi Yossi's, Rabbi Yossi's Pasuk, right? Rabbi Yossi's Pasuk, why the Rabban learning it? Between the Hekshu Tain Truman Maizu Rishon, I can learn it from says the Gemara, as an answer, if just in there, I would say it's just a new lava of Misolo. It's not a severe, you don't have the punishment of the death from Shemaim, Kamash Malon. The analogy between Truman and Maizurishon is that there's even the death penalty there as well. Okay, great. Now we're going to go back to our explanation of the Mishnah. Again, our Mishnah said that the daughter of Yisrael cannot eat Maizur until she actually moved in with the lady. That implies that a non-lady cannot eat. So we said, when Mayu came to Haju, explain the Mishnah to Rabbi Meir. You explain we're going like Rabbi Meir, that Maizurishon is also to Yisrael. Ema Seifa, but let's look at the very end of the Mishnah. The very end of the Mishnah, Bas Levi Moras is the Kohen. If the daughter of Levi is betrothed to a Kohen, Bas Kohen the Levi, daughter of a Kohen is betrothed to a Levi. She cannot eat Shruma or Miser. Why? Because she's not fully moved in with her husband. And she's still, but she's already married. She's not totally with her father. But Halcha, in our case, where you're talking about a Kohanis, Maizaris Ika, what strangest is there? Meaning this wife, what is she? She's, she's a Levi or a Kohanis. She's definitely part of the tribe of Levi. So here, everything that we're saying doesn't make sense. You could buy, we could buy that the daughter of Yisrael cannot eat Miser until she moves in with her husband, Levi. We could buy that, according to Reb Meir, that a stranger cannot eat Levi. But here, she's the daughter of a Kohen. So a daughter of a Kohen is no stranger to Miser. Everybody agrees, even according to Rebbe Meir, that a Kohen or a Kohen is can eat Miser. So how would we explain the third part of our mission? The third part of our mission is still, is, is, is still we, can, we, have not, we have not explained. Because here we're talking about a daughter of a Kohen being betrothed to a Levi and we're saying that she cannot eat the Maizah until she moves in. Why not? She's, she, she's either Levia or Kohana. So however you look at her, there's no reason why she cannot eat the Maizah. So we're stuck. We cannot understand what the Mishnah is saying. Amar Rav Sheshes, my Enochel Tani, 100% she could eat. What does the Mishnah mean that she cannot eat Maizah? It doesn't mean literally. What it means is, it means that she has no authority to take off the Trimas Maizah. What does that mean? It means is that here she is, she's coming in. She's in Arusa. She's just freshly betrothed, a new wife, a new bride, and she sees Miser sitting on the kitchen table. Now the law is that you can't eat that Miser until you designate the Kohen's portion, the Trumas Miser. So she says, all right, I'll take care of that, or I'm making an agent to take care of it. She cannot, because since she's not really living in the home yet, 
She's not authorized to make a decision like that. To, 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 that that's something that an owner would do. She's not an owner yet. She's not even moved in in the house. She's just a bride that's over by her future husband's house. Even though she's betrothed, but she's not yet living here. So she has no right to take off the trimas miser. That's the point that the Mishnah is saying. We're not making a point that she cannot eat miser. As long as the trimas miser was already taken off and died, 100% she could eat trimas miser. And you know something? Truth is, we don't even need to say we're going like Ramea anymore and she cannot eat miser in the ratio. We can leave that out. The Mishnah just means about who is authorized to take off the Trimas Meiser. And the Gemara infers, Meklal de Nisuna says Rishos, that would imply that a fully married wife, once she is already moved in, a fully married wife, she could authorize someone to remove the Trimas Meiser, which is interesting because even when your wife, fully married, moved in and all, but it's still not, it doesn't really belong to you, it's still your husband's, it's not yours. Just because it's what? Now there's a joint bank account? How does that work? So the Mara says, yeah, 100%, that's how it works. In Vatanya, like it says in the Brites of the Pasuk says that you can eat this in any place, seems to be talking about Maaser. You can eat it in any place. And uh, you and your household. So what does it mean, you and your household? So the Torah is comparing the lady here with his wife. If who was married to a lady, she has the ability to take off the Trimas Maaser from her husband's Maaser. That's what the Pasuk is saying. The Torah is telling you that she has right to take off the Trimas for the Maaser. Maybe it only is saying that she could eat the Maaser. But we say that that cannot be because I'm a trimma. We know Yisrael is married to a coin can eat trimma, which is more stringent. Certainly, Yisrael is married to a lady can eat maizer, which is more lenient. You don't need the pasuk to say she's allowed to eat maizer. It must be that the pasuk is saying that she is authorized to take off the trimas maizer. So that's that's the way we're coming out. We're coming out that our mission is not discussing her ability to eat the maizer, but the ability to take off the trimah the maizer herself or through an agent. That's something that could only be done with a fully married woman who's fully in a, moved in with her husband. If she's only betrothed, she doesn't have the license to do that. Okay, great. Now the Gemara says, another answer. Remember before, we, we had tried saying it was going like Rameir, that Israelis cannot eat Meiser, but then we got stuck on the third part of the Mishnah by Abbas Kohen, who is more restless to a lady. She can't eat Meiser. Here, why not? She's, she's a Kohana, so why not? So Marber Vina Omar, another shot. This that we say, Olivia betrothed to a Kohen, can't eat Meiser. What it means is, what it means is that we don't distribute the miser to her at the granary. Meaning what that means is that if it's already sitting in the home, miser's in the home, 100% she's allowed to eat it. But the point that we're saying is she can't go to the granary to collect the miser on behalf of her husband. If her husband is not there, she cannot be the one to receive it. And this is an interesting law. Why not? She's receiving it on behalf of her husband. Why can't she be the one to receive it? They'll distribute it to her. She'll take it home. Why can't she do that? So we're going to get into this exactly here, what the, what the reason is. Uh, so the Gemara continues. What's the reason? We can understand it that maybe there's an issue of yichud. Right? Generally, the law is that the similar halacha, by the way, is for a wife of a Kohen. A wife of a Kohen, even though she could eat truma, but she can't go down to the greenery and receive the truma. The reason is she might seclude herself with a man there. So it's you know a private area of the greenery. It's not always people around. So there might be an issue of yichud. There's a, a married woman is not allowed to be alone with, uh, with another person, with another man. So maybe the, that was the concern of yichud that she shouldn't go collect it herself. According to the one, the reason that she's not giving truma at the greenery is because she might continue to receive it after she's divorced, meaning she might play a trick. She'd be always been going and picking up her husband's truma her whole life, right? She picks up his dry cleaning, she picks up his truma. So one day she got divorced. She goes back and she still collects, right? Because they don't know the difference at the granary. They just know for years we've been giving this, this woman the truma. And now she's divorced, she doesn't have the right. So therefore we say she never has the right to pick it up. If that's the reason, 
Why would it be also to give Miser to a Cohen's, li- Cohen's wife who is also a Levia? Grusha Baslevi Milach of a Miser. Doesn't a divorce Levia eat Miser? She could. So if the whole ban against giving out Truma to a Cohen's wife is only that she might continue to collect it after she's divorced, then that shouldn't apply to a divorced Levia. Um, to a divorced Levia who's a Kohanist, and others that, 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 who's also married to a Kohanist, which shouldn't seem to make sense in our place, in our case. So the Gemara says, well, wait a second. Even if she's a divorced Kohanist, let's say she, her father was a Kohen. So then she, she does have a right to eat Truma. So basically, how does the decree make sense in that case, right? If she's a Kohanist herself who married a Kohen, imagine total Kohen to Kohen marriage. So she could, she could pick, why can't she pick up Truma? What are you going to say? She'll continue to pick up Truma after she's divorced. That's not a problem. She goes back to her father's house and she eats. So what's the deal? You have to say that really it was all a precautionary measure to prevent Truma to be distributed to a Yisraelis who's divorced from a Kohen. So we enforce that. We strengthen that decree by including even a Kohanist who is married to a Kohen. So with the same thing, you don't give Maishra to a Kohen's wife even if she is a Levia herself. All right, very good, but there's a problem with that. If that's what's going on, then it doesn't have to be because she's betrothed. Even if she was fully married, she should be included in that. If the Mishnah was not talking about her eating, but rather whether we distributed to her at the granary, then why is the Mishnah focused on her eating as a, when she's betrothed? The Mishnah should say, even if she's married, she's fully married, she can't pick it up. So the Gemara says, you're right. Even if she's fully married, she can't. Since the first part of the Mishnah was talking about a woman who was betrothed, because the first part of the Mishnah was talking about whether a non a girl could eat the miser. So now in the safe as well, even though we're not talking about literally eating, we're talking about picking up. And the picking up is also even to a fully married woman, but we still continue with the word maraseh to make it symmetrical to the first part of the mission. All right, now we continue with a new topic about who we give miser to. Tanarabba, Trima and obviously Trima is given only to a coin, but According to Rabbi Akiva, is given only to the Levi. What does that mean, only to the Levi? You cannot give it to a Kohen, according to Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbi Akiva, it must be given to a non-Kohen who is from the tribe of Levi. Rabbi disagrees. What does he say? He says, Maiser is given to the Kohen. So the Gemara clarifies what that means. The Rabbi means it's given only to a Kohen and not to a Levi. The Pasa clearly says you give it to a Levi. So the Gemara says, Ema aflo Kohen. What he meant to say is that Maiser can be given also to a Kohen. The reason we're going to see below is that a Kohen is considered a Levi as well. So his point is you can give it to both. Rabbi Kiva said you can only give it to a Levi who's not a Kohen. Rabbi Lazarus allows you can give it either to a Levi or to a Kohen. My time is Rabbi Kiva. What's Rabbi Kiva's reason? That can only be given to a levy. The pasuk says to levim, you should speak and say to them when you take the miser. Clearly, the levim comes to The pasuk is speaking only to the levim. Says the Gemara Vida. How does Rabbi Lazar and Azari hold that you can give it to a kohen? Miser can be given to kohen. How does he respond? Your shuvah levi is like your shuvah levi. Your shuvah levi. The esin v'rabba makomus nikra kohen levim. There are twenty-four places in Tanakh where kohenim are referred to as as levim. V'zeachad mehem. This is one of them. The kohenim halavim b'nei tzadok. The kohenim the levim the sons of tzadok. So levim is a more of an inclusive term that doesn't exclude kohenim, but rather can include them as well. So to when our pasuk when it says speak to levim and it references miser, it might be including kohenim in that. Rabbi Akiva, how does Rabbi Akiva respond to that? He says, You're right that in general, Levim can include Kohanim, but here you cannot say Levim includes Kohanim. What does the Pasuk go on to say? What do you do with the miser? You give it to the Levi, and then it says, He may eat the miser anywhere. So what's the point of anywhere, I mean, as opposed to what? So the point that we expound is, You give it only to someone who can eat it anywhere, even in a cemetery. Because a Levi has no restriction on becoming Tameh. So if you give the miser to a 
Lady, but they can eat it anywhere. The Pasuk is showing it's only given to someone who can eat it anywhere. Yatsa Kohen, it excludes the Kohen. He cannot eat it in the cemetery because of his, of his Iser to contract Toma. So the Pasuk is going out of its way to show that here, the Levi that I'm talking about is only a regular Levi, not a Kohen. How does he respond? How does he, he hold you could give it to the Kohen? So how does he deal with So he says, It just means that, that wherever he wants, as opposed to eating it only in a place of the wall. What's the place of the wall? The holy city of Yerushalayim, the walled city. You might say, hey, my Shishinim will be in Yerushalayim, so maybe my Shishinim as well. So the Torah is emphasizing, no, you can eat it in any place, not even not in Yerushalayim. And another point is that if you eat it when you are Tameh, there are no lashes. Meaning, we, we, we remember on the Amad Aleph, we have a comparison between Maishu and Truma. So remember, a Tommy person definitely cannot eat Truma. There's Malchus if you do so. You might say, if a Tommy person eats Maishu Rishon, the same thing. So the Torah emphasizes, no, Maishu Rishon can be eaten anywhere. It can be eaten even in a cemetery. The Chiddush is, is that if it becomes Tommy, there is still no Isser. Even though he's a Tommy person, he is still allowed to eat the Maishu Rishon. So it's not coming to exclude the Kohanim. It's coming to tell us that there's no issue of eating it when you're Tommy. Besides the Gemara, there was once a story now, just to know the personal thing here, Rabbi Lozman Azariah himself, what was he? He was a Kayin. He was a Kayin. So that's a little Nagiyas over here, right? Rabbi Lozman is a Kayin. He's poskening that the Maiserishan can be given to the Kohen as well. Rabbi Akiva is poskening that it can only be given to the lady. So the Gemara tells us that it played out in reality. Abu Ginsa, there was a garden. There was a certain garden where Rabbi Lozman would always pick up Maiserishan from. Again, he's a Kohen, but he would always stop by to pick up his Maiser as well. Also, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva went, Ahadri, the Pistol of Akivri. He turned away the entrance of the garden towards the cemetery. He changed the configuration over here that the entrance to get in, you would have to basically force to go through a cemetery, which would compel Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah not to come anymore because he's a coin, he's not allowed to go there. So he's basically preventing him, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, from picking up his miser. Abba, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah said, Akiva may have his pouch, but I'm still alive. So it's very not unclear what exactly the point that he's saying. The pouch usually is a, is a reference to a shepherd. A shepherd has his pouch. That was the humble beginnings of Rabbi Akiva. So it seems basically he's saying is like, you're just some innocent shepherd, but you know, uh, you don't have much. I'm still going to live. You think you're getting me so bad? You're a simple shepherd. I'm a rich guy. I got plenty. You think Rabbi Lozman Zayar was very wealthy. The Gemara says elsewhere. So he's saying, you think you're doing such a big thing here that you're closing the cemetery and now I can't get in and collect my little tshuva? You're a shepherd. I'm a rich guy. So he's basically saying, you know, what you did, don't think so highly of yourself. That's what it, seemingly the Gemara is saying. But anyway, obviously, there are bigger things that are taking place here in this dispute. Rabbi Kiva again holds that Maishur Rishon can only be given to the Levi, and Rabbi Lazar Nazari holds that it can be given to the Kohen as well. Now, this is all background information. The Iker Hadin is a little bit complex here, just to understand there's two layers here. So far, we just saw the first layer. The first layer is that there's a machlokas by Torah law who I am meant to give the Maishu to. Rabbi Akiva says I give it only to the Levi, but Lozman Uzziah holds I give it to the court. But there's another law which the Gemara doesn't even directly introduce to us. It just assumes that we know that Ezra made a knas not to give the Levi and the Maishu. So we'll have to see why. But that's another layer here. Everybody agreed so far that you could give the Levi and the Maishu, right? It was just a question, can I give it also to the court? Now we're going to see there's another dimension. That, the, that, that there was some penalty in Jewish history that said, don't give it to the ladies. So, when did that happen and why did that happen? And the older people, Rabbi Yonos and the older people disagreed. The reason is because when Ezra led the return to the base of Mikdash, in the times, right, in the, in the return of the exile back to Israel, the Levim didn't come. So, they, 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 as the most part, they wanted to stay back in Bavah. 
So therefore, he was upset. The Levim were absent when they came back to Eretz Yisrael. And think about it. The Levim play a very important role in the base of Mikdash. You know, the gatekeepers and the singers and this and that. So, so, so Ezra was upset. So the Kinas was not to give them the Miser. The Chadam or other people say the reason was because they No, it's not a Kinas in the Levim. It was the reason is, what are the Kohen going to eat when they're Tame? If all the Kohen has to eat is Truma, then you can't eat Truma when he's Tame. So therefore, the, the Rabbi said, you know what, give the Kohen the, 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 the Miser for food so that he has something to eat when he's Tame. So the Gemara says, I understand it because they didn't come up. That's a reason to, to, to penalize them. According to the one who says that we want to make sure the Kohen of what to eat when they're Tame, because of the Kohanim, we can ask the Levi, meaning that's not fair. That's not justice here, right? You want to make sure the coin has what to eat when he's telling I understand the cause. I understand the sympathy. There's a big problem. What's the coin going to eat? If he only eats truma and truma, you can't eat when you're telling me what's he going to eat? Great problem. But don't take away something that someone else is entitled to because you want to solve that problem, right? If it's meant to go to the Levi, it's meant to go to the Levi. So the Gemara modifies. Everybody agrees that the catalyst for the Kanas, the reason why the penalty happened is because they didn't come to Eretz in the days of Ezra. That's clearly why we're taking away from the Levi. But what's the dispute? What they're arguing about is as follows. The, the one opinion says that Miser was meant to be given to the poor. The institution was, instead of giving the Miser only to Levi, you can choose whether or not you want to give it to a Levi or to a poor, a poor person. So what he was doing, by doing that, he was depriving the Levium of a part of the total Miser. By giving the option as well that you can give it to a poor person, that, that sufficed. That was the penalty which was imposed on the Levium. And just to clarify, it doesn't mean you cannot give it to the Levi, Tosus explains, it means you have the option instead of giving it to a poor person. The other one holds, no. When the Kohanim are Tameh, they are poor. So therefore, Ezra made the decree that the Maitre can be given to them. In other words, this opinion is saying that Ezra didn't say Maitre goes to the poor. He said, give it to the Kohanim, and because the Kohanim are always considered to be in a poor state, because they don't have, right, there's a lack of supply for them, what they can eat when they're Tameh. So, what's interesting here, okay, so that's the Machlokas. The Machlokas basically is, everybody agrees, we're, we're saying don't only give it to the lady. But the Machlokas is, who do we say to give it to? One opinion says give it to any poor people. The other opinion says, Dafka, give it to the Kohen. Now, Tosos tries to understand, and this is where it gets a little complex, is that how does this dimension fit with the previous dimension? Before, we had a question in the Gemara, who, it's not on a biblical level, by Torah law, Rabbi Kiva says you only give it to the Levi, Lazar and Azariah says you can give it to the Kohen as well. That's done, a machlokas, even by Torah law, before Ezra, before that happened. Now, there's another point, Ezra comes along and he makes a penalty, and he says don't only give it to the Levi, you can also give it to poor people, or you could also give it to Kohen. So, Atosos tries to figure out, in which opinion are we that these things can make sense? So, if you think about it, if you think about it, according to Rabbi Lazar and Azariah, you could always give Maitre to both Kohanim and, and, and Leviyah. So what's going on? So what, what, according to this opinion that you can give it to Kohanim, that's the way it always was. Right? According to Rabbi Lazar and Azariah, before Ezra's times, you could give it to a Kohanim as well. So what did Ezra switch? According to that opinion, you have to say that what Ezra said was that you can only give it to a Kohanim. Or you could give it to a Levi or to a Kohanim. Now, according to Rabbi Lazar and Azariah, you could say that the Takana after Ezra was that you can no longer give it to a Levi. Whereas the other opinion was you could give it to the poor, give it to a Levi or to the poor. That's possible. All right. Now, it's fascinating here that Ezra can say that the Miser is given to a Kohen, and specifically according to Rabbi Kiva, who holds that it could only be given to a Levi. Meaning, according, you could come from the opposite angle here. According to Rabbi Akiva, Maisa can only be given to a Levi Midar Isa. So Ezra's making the Takana, no, you give it, you could give it to Kohanim. How does that work? Or even give it to the poor. How does that work? You're giving it, I mean, God said one thing and the rabbis are changing? Like, how does that work? You're not going to do the mitzvah. 
But it's very hard. Some some Rishonim say that there's like a principle that it's as if you gave it to the Levi and then the rabbis are declaring it ownerless and redistributing the money. There's an idea that the rabbis always have that power, hefker based in hefker. They can change who owns money. So they're saying it's as if it became transferred to the Levium. And then, and then the rabbis are declaring it ownerless. Well, that's a hard idea. It didn't literally go to the Levium yet. How does anyone fulfill the mitzvah of giving the mitzvah to the Levi? That's a difficult struggle. Says the Gemara, now that we have this, let's go back to the story. We saw back in the story Rabbi Akiva stopped Rabbi Lazar Desire from receiving the miser. Now, when did they live? They lived after the times of Ezra. So Bishlama, that if you go that the penalty that Ezra made was that you could give miser also to the poor. That's why Rabbi Akiva stopped Rabbi Lazar Desire from receiving the miser because Rabbi Lazar Desire was no poor. He was a Kohen, but he wasn't poor. So if they, the Takana wants to give it to the poor, and Rabbi Kiva holds, he's, he's, he's not a Levi, right? Lazar Desire is not a Levi. And he's not someone who's poor. So that's why Rekiva would stop him. But according to the opinion that says the penalty required why did Rekiva turn the entrance away to the cemetery? This is after the times of Ezra. So even if biblically there's no law to give it to the coin, but at least after the Takana of Ezra, now you give it to the coin. So, so why, why was Rekiva stopping him? So the Gemara answers as follows. If you're only coming to collect it at, because of the penalty of Ezra, if that's the reason you're showing off, Islach, you're right, you could take it. But if you're coming and thinking that you own it by Torah law, that's time it's yours because the law in the Torah is that it can be given to a Kohen, then you don't have a right to it. So what's he saying? He's just saying on principle, if you think, if you think you're showing up because by Torah law you have it, I'm not letting you take it. I'm only going to let you take it if you agree that the only reason you're taking it is because of the Takana of Ezra. That seems pretty principled. Because either way, he has a right to take it, right? So I'm going to block you from coming. If you think you have a right to take it by Torah law, get out of here. You can only, if you, I'm, right, I'm going to let you take it if you can see that, uh, that, that, that the only way you can take it is after the Takana. It seems very hard. So this is where, yeah. Right, it's principle, principle. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying on a practical level, there's no difference, right? So it's a principle, could be. Some of the Rishonim try to work with this idea that if it's burned in the Takana, then the person who takes it has to be taking it like with the dots, like really I'm taking it on behalf of the Levi. Then it can trigger that the rabbis declare it ownerless and they let me keep it. That, that's the only way it can work because really the mitzvah essentially is to be given to Levi. Now, Rabbi Lazar ben holds that the mitzvah is not that way. The mitzvah is that you can give it to a Kohen. He's not going to think that. And that's where Bikiva was stopping him saying, no, if you're going to take it because you think the Torah said it, it's not going to work. If it's only al you have to really think that you're taking it on behalf of the Levi. All right. Anyways, now the Gemara just cleans up this historical fact. How do you know that they didn't show up in the times of Ezra? Where do we get that? So the Gemara says, well, look at the Pasuk. It's right there. It's right there, pretty explicit in the Pasuk in Ezra. I caught him in I assembled them at the river. El Ahavat, Avav, and Ayusham Shoshim. We were there for three days camping. I looked over at the people, and the Kohanim were there. I didn't find no Levium there. Says the Kamarim. There was another privilege that was taken away from Levium. Originally, the officers, like the court people, um, who used to, you know, like religious police, it was like a. It was like a high position. And originally, they all used to be Levim. The Levim officers are, are in front of you. But we took them away from them, and now it only comes from regular Jewish people. The officers are many, are just at your head, and we're saying it's just Israelim who are many, as opposed to it being only from Levim. Okay, we'll stop here.